Right. Good morning. It's great to uh, see you all here. My name is uh, Sean. I'm part of the leadership team here at Harvest Church. Uh, just want to say a really warm welcome, whether you're here for the very first time or for the 10,000th time. You're always welcome um, here. And it's great to see you all. As a church, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we uh, look to hear from God. So uh, if you've got a, a contribution, maybe a prophecy, a picture, a passage of scripture, if you would like to pray, it's great if you can use the microphone so that folk can hear you. So please come to the front and have a chat with me and we'll, we can work that out. Uh, children, you're, we're going to be spending some time worshipping in the moment and then after about 15 minutes, three songs, you'll be uh, able to head off downstairs. Parents, please take your children down so that you can sign them in and register them. There's a passage of scripture in the Bible, in the Gospels, and it, it talks about a time when Jesus is walking along and the crowd are, are behind him and around him, making a, a, a noise, a real noise, and there's a blind man there. And he's, what's all the noise about? What's going on? And they say, it's Jesus. Jesus is here. And he goes, oh, I want to meet with Jesus. So he starts shouting out. And they tell him to be quiet because he's, you know, causing a distraction. But he carries on shouting because he wants to meet with Jesus. And eventually, as you know, the story goes, Jesus meets with him and heals him. But actually, as we come this morning, Jesus is here in our midst. And we come and we, we can bring those things that trouble us, maybe physical or mental or you know, any other issues we can bring before him. But actually, we start by crying out to him. And we can do that in worship. And so I just want to pray, and then we're going to hand over to... Uh, I'm going to pray for a while. <laughs> uh, I am going to pray. And... Uh, I'm just, Lord, I'm in expectation because you are here. And I pray that as we come and worship you, as we come knowing who you are, because that blind man knew who you were, he knew that you could heal him. You knew, he knew that you were a worker of miracles and you love to spend time with folk. Lord, I pray that that would be a, our experience this morning that we would know and delight in you, that we would come and bring all our needs and lay them at your feet. Help us to cry out to you and in faith come before you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Also, sorry, my, my uh, tuner broke, so I had to use Pete's. Uh, yeah, sorry. If you're willing and able, please stand. This morning I'm going to need, uh, need a lot of your help. Um, kids, can you show me how you dance? I'm going to need to know how you dance for this first song. Can you do a boogie for the first song? Yeah, perfect. When I say dance in the song, when we sing dance, I need you to dance the best you can. 
And grown-ups, you can do that as well. If you, if, you, if you want to boogie, if you can shake your hips, that'd be perfect. And then we need to see how, how loud you can shout. So when I say shout, I want you to say shout as loud as you can. You ready? I'm going to say, shout! Shout! Uh, not, not loud enough. Shout! Shout! Yeah, it's, there we go. <laughs> Nearly there. Nearly there. Right, let's give this one a go and see if you can dance and shout.
good and you are faithful. We praise you this morning. You are worthy. Thank you, Lord. Now, does anyone know the actions to My Lighthouse? Do they want to come up and stand on the stage? Are they brave enough? Are you brave enough to stand on the stage? Anyone who knows? No one's brave enough to stand on the stage. No one's, no one's brave enough. I don't know if they're the right ones. I know well, some actions. Nadia, can you do some sort of I actions? Can do for, some there we go. Nadia's going to do some sort of actions for not, My Lighthouse. I'm not promising any of the verses. I'm just saying. My resting and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. You are the peace in my troubled sea. In the silence, you won't let go. In the questions, your truth will hold. 
Yeah, Lord, we thank you that you will lead us safe to shore. We worship you and we glorify you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. sing of your goodness and we sing of your faithfulness to us the children and young people may go out to the the kids work if you're new uh let the follow the kids um down that way <laughs> lord we want to pray would you bless them this morning as the children and young people learn about you as they spend time together we pray lord jesus would you really bless them Lord holy spirit we pray would you fill them fill them with you lord we pray, come right now, Lord Jesus. Come stir us together as we worship you. Stir them, Lord, as they learn more about you. Bless them, Lord, this morning. Bless us all as we worship you, Lord.
sink in. to lay down our lives, lay down our hearts. No matter what our week has been like or our year, we say that you are worthy. We say that you are lovely. We say that you are wonderful.
Okay, so in a moment we're going to uh, take communion, um, but I just want to make, you, probably most of you noticed uh, Natalie fell over, and uh, I just want to pray for Natalie before we proceed. Lord, I, I just pray for your presence, your healing power to be with Natalie at this time, that she would know you with her. I pray, Lord, as folk are just ministering to her, you'd give them wisdom in decisions they make, Lord. And I just pray that you would bless Natalie, Lord, that uh, yeah, she'd just know you drawing near to her and your hand upon her, Lord. Amen. As we head into communion, and there'll be an opportunity to pray together, maybe you'd like to be praying for Natalie as well. So, <clears throat> we're going to, uh, as I say, be taking communion. And just as a, if you are new to Harvest Church, as a church, we believe communion is for everyone who has received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Doesn't matter which church you normally go to, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this communion is for you. And uh, there's four tables around the room with uh, bread and uh, a juice. And if you are gluten-free, there's uh, some little packs on the tables as well that are gluten-free. It's always good to pause as we come to communion. It's, a, it's an opportunity to remember what Jesus has done for us and maybe uh, to actually deal with things in our lives, to, uh, you know, maybe things that are separating us from him. And so we're just going to pause for a few minutes, uh, give you an opportunity just to come before God. Maybe it's just so you can thank him once again for all that he's done for you, but maybe the Holy Spirit will put in your heart things that you, you need to deal with before God as we come to this simple meal. So let's just pause for a few moments and do that before God. In the uh, Gospel of Matthew, it talks about Jesus and his disciples sharing, sharing the Passover meal. And it says this in Matthew 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many 
for the forgiveness of sins. And so as we just partake of this very simple meal, we're remembering that Jesus allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be poured out on a cross for our sins, that our relationship with him could be restored. And so that's what we're doing. We're remembering his incredible sacrifice that we might live. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done, but especially for the cross. Because of you, I can be called a child of God. I can be, I'm saved and added into your family. My sin's forgiven. Each one of us, as we look to you and accept you as Lord and Savior, can know that forgiveness being a child of the living God. And we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Lord. Amen. This is an opportunity to share a meal together. We often will meet together and share food together. Well, it's only a simple meal, but please do share it together. Maybe, and pray together. Pray for Natalie. Um, so four tables, one, two, three, four, please do head off. Those who are normally here, show the way.
It was great. Just want to, uh, Graham is going to come and share God's word with us. I just want to pray for Graham. Lord, I, I thank you for Graham's desire to serve us as a church and to share your word with us, Lord. I just pray that you would bless him and bless us through him, Lord. May his words be you know, speak into our hearts and not only challenge, but transform us, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Am I on there? Right. So Psalm 24. What I want to do with Psalm 24, it's not very long, but there's a great deal in it. So what I'd like to do is look at each section. There's three sections. So look it up in your Bibles, please, or on your phones. It'll also come up here in a minute. Um, and each section, I want to say, what did it mean then to the people of the time, to David? And what does it mean now? Because it was written 3,000 years ago. So you think, well, that's just old stuff, isn't it? It's not just old stuff. It's actually very, very relevant to today. But I'm hoping to show you that. So it's a very famous psalm. And it starts like this. In fact, let's say it all together. Ready? Just a couple of verses. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. 
for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Wow, okay, so it's got a kind of obvious meaning. The earth belongs to, every, belongs to God, including all of us who live in it. And then it says, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters, which is a slightly odd thing to say, perhaps. The other thing before we go any further is the word Lord, when it comes out in block capitals like that in your English Bible, the word behind it is not Lord, the word behind it is Jehovah. He's talking about the God of Moses. Jehovah, the great I am, the creator of everything. That's what Lord means here. Um, so let's just move on, however, because why does he use founded it on the seas? Back in the, back in the day, back in 1100 BC, the world looked like this. This was their cosmology, that there was a great chaotic load of water and God had created a flat earth on it, like this, and there was a great dome over the top, and the dome had holes in it to let the rain through, and the rain and the stars and so on were sort of plastered around the dome, okay? And that, that is the reason, it says, he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters, because he, he was thinking in terms of, of the cosmology of his time. Uh, and that's fine. So what is our cosmology now? Well, in 21st century, 3,000 years later, we have a big, bigger view, don't we? Okay, here's the bigger view for a start. The Earth is round, it's not flat, okay? Well, we can laugh at where they were in 1,000 BC, but that's, that's where we would have all been, okay? The world is not flat, it's round, and it goes around the sun, and there are various other planets, okay? We have a solar system, that's how we now understand it, because we've done a lot of research in the last... 500 years. If we go out a little bit, we also melt meet what is called the Milky Way. Our star is one of a hundred billion stars in our galaxy. Our galaxy, and it's a hundred thousand light years across. I looked it up, because I'm not a, an expert of this. If you want to know more, talk to Mark. Uh, a light year is 10 trillion kilometers. So 100,000 light years is, a, is uh, about 1,000,000 ,000 trillion kilometers across, okay? It's mind-blowing. If you look closely in there, it says you are here. Um, <laughs> we are one of those stars in the Milky Way, and it's absolutely astonishing the size of it, isn't it? Okay? Should we go bigger? Okay, let's go one bigger. This is the universe, the observable universe. Now, the big ring around it is not really there. That's just to show that the universe is like a huge ball, okay? It's expanding all the time. In the time I've been speaking to you, it's expanded some more. And so those rings aren't really there. That's just to show the size of it. All those little tiny points of light, each of those tiny points of light is a galaxy. There are potentially a hundred billion galaxies. Can you start to get the extent of this? Okay. Can you feel that? 93 billion light years, so in miles, that's six trillion miles per light year. That's about 500 billion trillion. That's 500, I think, with 21 zeros after it and getting bigger all the time. Okay. That is the observable universe, as I say, if you want to know more, Mark will tell you more about this. 
The universe is mind-blowingly colossal, isn't it? Absolutely mind-blowingly colossal. That's what we know now. We don't, we don't know actually what's outside of that. And we don't know what created it. Oh, we do, actually, but there we go. So let's go back to the text. How should this read in the 21st century? I think it should read something like this. This isn't good poetry, because I'm not a poet. The universe is Jehovah's, and everything in it, all billion galaxies, and inside each billion galaxies, a billion stars, and all who live there, hey, there may be some other people, I don't know, for he created it out of nothing and spread it across 500 billion trillion miles, okay, and getting bigger all the time. It's quite a big claim, isn't it? That the God of Moses, the God who spoke to Moses, created the entire universe. But that's actually what we believe, okay? So, a couple of simple conclusions. What we know about God from this, God is powerful. Jehovah, the God of Moses, is powerful. Okay, that's the first obvious thing. Well, God owns his creation. We're told that. God has an ownership over it. We're responsible. There's a kind of moral thing here. It's not just a creation. It's something that God actually relates to. God relates to us. And the third thing is God is loving. Now, you wonder how I got that from a million billion if I created a universe and a piddling, piddling, tiny little planet rebelled, I wouldn't bother with it anymore, would you? You just, like I do when the ants come into my kitchen, I just flush them down, you know, flush them down the sink. God bothers to talk to Moses. He bothers to come to us as Jesus. The God who created this bothers with this planet. And that seemed to me to speak of God's love, okay? So, there we are. That's the first part of it, if you update it, in, in, in my thinking anyway. Now, it gets much deeper now. Should we say this bit? Because this is the next couple of verses. It's not all the time. So, can we do this all together? Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by what is false. They will receive blessing from their Lord and vindication from God, their Saviour. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, ascending the mountain of the Lord references Moses again. God is fearful going up the mountain with Moses. God is fearful. Who can... Then David starts saying God is holy. We have to be clean and pure to approach God. And, and idols? Where's all this coming from? Blessing, vindication. Why is David thinking in these terms? So we, don't, we have to dig a little bit. We have to dig down a little bit. What's beneath this? Well, what's beneath this? We're back to Moses. We're back to the covenant, okay? He's thinking about the commandments and the law. This is the initial commandments. These are the Ten Commandments, very well known. Thou shalt no, have no other gods before me. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. So when David sees these and the other laws, he, starts, he knows that God is pure. God sets a really high standard for our behavior. God is pure. Goodness. God is pure. And he says, don't you dare make idols. 
So that kind of starts to describe, hopefully, why he says, the one who has clean hands, because he's thinking about the law, okay? The other thing that's going on is he's thinking about the very common practice of that time, which was sacrificing animals, which is part of the law. Is that weird to our modern thinking? It is. It, 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 it's frankly, it's strange. I don't think uh, anybody would like it if we had to bring sacrifices in here this morning, cut the throat and sprinkle the blood. But that's what they were doing. So what's going on? Let's have a little, a little slightly deeper look. The law is actually much more than just Ten Commandments, although that's the core. Okay, there are actually 613, and we're going to go through them all. No, we're not. Okay, there are 613 laws, ceremonial laws, civil laws, moral laws, okay? The moral laws are like the Ten Commandments, but they are, many of them go further than the Ten Commandments, and many of them are very humane, and if you compare it with what was going on in 1400 BC, they were really quite advanced. They gave, for example, um, slaves were treated as human beings. They were still slaves, but they were treated much, much better than the surrounding people. It wasn't perfect, but it was much better. There was a, it was big progress on what was going on at the time. There were civil laws. There was lots of um, stuff about justice. Justice was applied equally. Everybody was under justice. The idea that people were all equally available to have justice applied was, was pretty advanced for that time. I mean, now we, we, we take it as second... We take it as read in the 21st century, don't we? That people should be treated equally. That wasn't the case 3,000 years ago. But it was the case in, in what started, what was what I called the Moses Covenant. I was, should have called it the Mosaic Covenant, but it would have sounded like a floor covering, doesn't it? When you say Mosaic Covenant. Anyway, the Moses Covenant. So this was the covenant. The covenant was, God says, do these things and I'll bless you. That's a covenant. Do this and I'll do this. But there's also this slightly embarrassing ceremonial, uh, sorry, sacrificial system, this, uh, which went on a lot. Lots of sheep, lots of bulls, sacrificial system. And why was that there? Well, the sacrificial system was there for vindication and righteousness. Vindication means I've done, I'm, I'm sorted out with God. What did it mean? Well, you have to look very deep here because we've already established, haven't we, God is loving, but the law tells us that God is also pure and holy and it has a very, very, very high standards for us. And also established that God is just. God is holy, God is pure, God is holy and pure, he's also loving and he's also just. He's those three things. I mean, God is many other things, but let's stick with those three for the moment. Um... And the problem is, if I'm, okay, I'm an Israelite and it's 1300 BC and I've sinned against God's law, according to God's purity, which is a very high standard, and his righteous and his justice, I should be punished, maybe killed. I'm toast. That doesn't sound great, does it? But God's love at this point says, no, because I love this person, I'm going to put a sacrificial system in as a substitute. The sheep and the bulls are killed as a substitute for me. I should be killed because I have, I have uh, sinned against God's very high standards. But the substitution is made of the animal. And God says this is part of the law. This is, the law is perfect, including the ceremonial stuff. 
It's a very high standard, but also the sacrificial system means that, hey, I get, I get to carry on living in this land, and I get blessing from God. So that's why the sacrificial system was there. The sacrificial system there actually demonstrates God's love for us human beings. It, it's a bit gory, isn't it? But that is the reality of the sacrificial system at that time. So it was a temporary thing. So what's the blessing? Blessing do they get? They follow the law as best they can. They follow the sacrificial system, which, and the blessing they get is the land, the land that was promised to Abraham. The, the uh, Israelites are now guessing they've invaded. They come back from Egypt, they've invaded the land, and they're taking it over. But it, God is giving them the land. They get prosperity. Things go well for them. And they get the presence of God in some sense, particularly the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant's big box about this big, in which the law, the tablets and so on, were carried around by the Israelites. They carried them around while they were invading. And the presence of God was there. And in fact, you know, amazing, miraculous things happened. There's a long backstory there, which I'll, I'll reference a bit later. But a lot of things happened there. So this is the Moses Covenant. And I think that's what's sitting behind... Oops. This psalm. So this, I mean, these are the same words that we've already spoken. Who am I going to send to the mountain of the Lord? Well, only if I've got, plan, if I've got clean hands, if I follow the law, if I've not trusted in idols, but then I'll get blessing from God and vindication because I'm following the sacrificial system and I'm following the law through. That's what's going on behind here. Okay, so how does that update? How does that look like now? What does that look like to us in, in, in 21st century uh, UK? Well, if you go on a thousand years, we have a new covenant. We have the Christ covenant, okay? So the law, uh, the Christ covenant has law and sacrifice in it as well, actually. The law, says Jesus, is to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might and your neighbor as yourself. That sums up the law. Jesus went a bit further. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, do not kill, which is the Moses covenant. But I say to you, if you're angry with your brother, it's as if you've killed him. You're subject to judgment. Whoa, this is an, e this is an even higher standard. Okay? He also says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her in your heart. This is a very high standard, isn't it? So Jesus takes the law, he brings the principles forward, and actually sets a higher standard. But what about sacrifice? Well, we know this. We've just celebrated communion, haven't we? And you may think it odd, but the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross serves the same purpose in, one, in, in many ways as in the Old Covenant. That is, Jesus has become my substitute. So as become, to become a Christian, I have to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Putting my faith in Jesus Christ means I obtain the wonderful gift that is Jesus' sacrifice. He dies in my place in exactly the same way. Well, not exactly the same way, but a parallel sense to the sheep and the bulls dying in the first covenant. So the new covenant and the old covenant are quite similar. What's the blessing? Well, the blessing in the new covenant, and I'm hoping we're all, most of us here are Christians, this is us. We are, have the Christ covenant. We do this, we follow 
the law. I'll come back to that in a minute, a bit more. We, we engage with Jesus in his sacrifice and we are blessed. What do we have? We have life to the full. We have the presence of God with us now by his Holy Spirit and, and it's, it's a big and, eternal life. Okay, who's looking forward to eternal life? Okay, okay, good, good scattering, particularly over the older ones on this side. <laughs> Quite right too, because I hit 60 and things stop working, don't they? And you think, I wish I had a new body. I really wish I had a new body. And there is one coming. Okay, so let's read this as Christians, okay? So as Christians, if we read this, I thought, how does this change? And when I looked at it closely, I thought, well, it doesn't change because actually... This is relating to a God who does not change. Some people will tell you that the God of the Old Testament was a nasty, bad-tempered God who killed people, and he was really rough and nasty. And the God of the New Testament is full of love. Wrong. God has never changed. God cannot change and never will change. He is as loving, as pure, and as just in the Old Testament as he is in the New. What has changed is the covenant has got very much better okay the deal we have as christians is astonishing absolutely astonishingly much better so let's read this sorry i'm, I'm rabbiting on who may stand in his holy place the one who has clean hands and a pure heart god's standards are still high but the sacrifice of jesus is so powerful it's so powerful that we can approach god it says in the new testament with confidence in the Old Testament, there's a bit of fear there, even with David, who knew God well. But we can approach God with confidence. We can approach God with confidence, okay? And the blessing we receive and the vindication from God is marvelous. It's so much better. I mean, I wouldn't... The Old, the old, covenant, the old Testament blessing, the covenant, was marvelous compared to what was going on. But what we have is so much better. When I was studying this, I thought, wow, I'm glad I'm a Christian and not a Jew. I wouldn't want to be making sacrifices all the time. I'd have to make a new sacrifice, you know, keep, keep sacrificing sheep in case I'd sinned and keep going back and doing it again and again and again and, again, and the bull every year and I'd have to stick with all this. No, the, the sacrifice of Jesus is so powerful. So, um, one other comment, I think, and I'm very cultural now, we tend, I think, in the, in the 21st century to take our theology from the Beatles rather than the Bible. And the Beatles said, all you need is love, which is kind of nice. And God does love us wonderfully. God so loved the world. But actually, we've got to remember that God is also pure and God is also just God. And we must be serious about that. And if we are serious about it, then it gets frightening. But then we remember that the sacrifice has been made and there is forgiveness. So God, God is a loving God, says the modern world. He'll forgive everything we do and everything's okay. And he's like some big Father Christmas in the sky and everything's going to be great. No. God does love us, but sin really does matter. But the sacrifice of Jesus is our substitute. So for us, God really... The, the, the richness of God's love, we have obtained it in Christ. And that is marvellous. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm in danger of 
just preaching the gospel here, aren't I, rather than talking about Psalm 24. But when I looked here, I thought, oh, that's interesting. This has is, this is actually got vindication blessing. This is the gospel. So, conclusions. Just to wrap that, that, that second section up. We are declared pure, and we can go to God. Okay? But also, the Holy Spirit in us helps us to be pure. You might have been wondering, I've said God has very high standards. He does. But again, in, in our covenant, in the Christ covenant, the Holy Spirit is in us. He helps us to be pure. He can help us to be fruitful, to be full of love, joy, peace, and patience, and personalness, and self-control. He can help us to do those things. He helps us to love other people. Much better than the old covenant. They didn't get much help. Didn't get much help in the old, in the old covenant. So, summary there. Christ's covenant, we update those middle verses. It supersedes and is so much better than the Moses covenant. Where are we? Have we got another five minutes? So the last part of this psalm, and this should have been first. You'll understand why I said that in a minute. Should we say it together, just to make sure everybody's still awake? Because I know it's warm, and everybody's like this. So, all together, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So, what does this mean? This is slightly weird, actually. Um, in the actual psalm, this is repeated twice. Um, it, it, it doesn't actually take too much unpicking. Um, lift up your heads is found elsewhere in the Psalms, and it really means be strong in God. Okay? So why is David saying, to, why is he speaking to Gates and saying be strong in God? Well, I think the answer, and in fact he repeats himself, like Hebrew parallelism, like Sean's been talking about, be lifted up your ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. It's kind of parallel. What is going on? Well, at Glastonbury, over the last few days, the, the um, artists have been coming on and saying, hello, Glastonbury, and all the people say, hello, whoever. Now, nobody thinks that the artist is talking to the sound of Glastonbury, or the bricks and mortar, are they? They're talking to the people at Glastonbury, okay? What's going on here is David is talking to a whole load of people who are by the gates of Jerusalem, okay? Let's have a look. This is Jerusalem. I like graphics like this. This is a, a graphic of what Jerusalem was like in David's time. It's quite small. It's only about a kilometer by a few hundred meters, and it's got walls around it. And the reason it's here at all is because it's got a spring. It's a fortified town. David invaded. He took over. Right? And this is where he's speaking from. Um, okay, and this is the gate of Jerusalem. This is a modern picture, actually, an actual modern picture. Uh, you can tell that because people are wearing kind of colorful clothes and things. This is a gate of Jerusalem. So what's going on in the psalm, go back to that, is David is saying, get excited in God, all you people stood by the gates, because the king's coming. So why, are, why is the king coming? Who is this king? Well, it turns out it's Jehovah again. So how is Jehovah coming through the gates, literally, physically coming through the gates of Jerusalem? Well, the explanation is almost certainly all the commentators point in the same direction. This thing, I've mentioned this earlier, this is the Ark of the Covenant. It's not the actual Ark of the Covenant, it's a mock-up. The actual Ark was lost, and nobody knows where it is. Um, the Ark of the Covenant's about this big, 
and it has the stone tablets in it, and it was carried around on those poles, okay? And as the Israelites invaded, they carried it around, and, and they carried it before them, and they walked around Jericho, and the walls fell down because of the miraculous supernatural power there was in the presence of God in the ark. So David decided that the ark, rather than being out in the sticks somewhere, looked after by one of his commanders, ought to be brought into Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was his new capital at this time. So he said, bring the ark into the, into the place. And he then put a worship service together to celebrate the fact that the ark was being brought in. Okay? And his worship service is Psalm 24. It starts off saying, God, our God, Jehovah, created the universe. Our God, Jehovah, gave us this marvelous covenant. It's the old covenant at that point. And our God, Jehovah, is now literally being carried through the gates of Jerusalem. And this is what was going on at this time. So it's kind of, he's, he's rejoicing. He's being very happy about it. So, sorry, let's just go back to... You click too many times, it catches up, doesn't it, eventually? Okay, so who is the king of glory? It's the Lord, it's Jehovah, the strong and mighty. He's the one who's fought our battles. He's the one who's enabled us to take over this place, okay? And that's great. Um, so how do I modernize that? Okay? <laughs> God's presence is now coming into Jerusalem, and David is very happy. He's telling everybody to have... So to rejoice and be very happy about it. How do we modernize that? Well, it's, if you take this about a thousand years further forward, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey just before Passover. Okay? He entered Jerusalem. Jesus is a bit like the ark. Okay? Jesus is the presence of God on earth, but much more fully than the ark. Jesus actually sums up the law. Okay? And Jesus, of course, became the sacrifice. So that incredible focus on Jesus is, 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 is what this, to me, is what this points to. We haven't got time to go to Colossians 1.15, but Colossians 1.15 basically talks about Jesus being the creator of the universe. Okay, do you see the link here? Jesus is the presence of God. He is also Jehovah. So how else can we see this? How can we see this in modern terms? Well, actually... Jesus died and rose again and ascended, and then the Holy Spirit was sent to the new church in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is God's presence here on earth. God's presence is sent to us, much better than the ark, and kind of the same as Jesus, because... <laughs> so God's presence is with us now, by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit as the Spirit of Jehovah who created the universe. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. The Father is God. They were all there at creation. Okay? We're sewing together a lot of things now. But actually the presence of God who came to the church at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit who is in us. We have that same presence of God. Okay, and all the people across this planet now who are Christians and part of the church, the presence of God is with us by his spirit. And that's something we could be very, very happy about. Okay? And we should rejoice because it's amazing that God's presence is with us. And it's much better than the ark. I think I already said that. 
Okay, so I'm going I'm to update this psalm. Okay, the last verses sound like this. Be strong in God, all you people in Malting Centre, because the king's coming in, and you say... Very good, you're all awake still. And I say, it's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jehovah. He is with us and in us. How is he mighty? He convicts of sin. He enables us to be born again. He, he fills us with his presence. He enables us to be fruitful. He enables us to be gifted. He gives gifts. Okay? He does all those things. The mighty God is strong with us for battle, for what we have to do now. And I think, ah, one concluding slide. So, worship Jesus. God is the creator. He loves us. He bothers with us. This great creator. He has included us in his new covenant. So that was the second part of the psalm, wasn't it? When I updated it. And his presence is now with us and in us. Do we have time for a last song at that point? No, yes. So I'll hand back, because I think we can, we can, can we rejoice at the presence of God in us? I'll hand back to Jason, okay? Thank you, Graham. If you're able to, please stand. And we're going to sing, Let the King of My Heart. Let the King of My Heart be the mountain where I roam, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my son. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life. Oh, he is my son. You are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Good. 
Thank you, Graham. I think it's good to conclude in prayer. And uh, Lord, I just want to pray for each and every person here, Lord. I really picked up on that whole thing of your presence with us. And Lord, first I just want to pray for those who, who don't know your presence, who don't know you as Lord and Savior. I just want to pray that even at this point, you would be speaking into their lives, drawing them close, and that they would be able to just make that step of commitment to you, Lord. And for, for the rest of us, I pray that each and every day we would know your presence in everything we do. And that not only would we know your presence, but actually we would respond to you. We would be guided by you. We would see you as Lord of our lives in everything, Lord, and follow you wherever you take us. Amen. Few points just before we finish. So uh, there's coffee morning this week on Thursday, uh, 10.30 to 11.30 uh, here. Everyone is welcome. Cakes and uh, drinks. Uh, if you are a guest, and I hope you've enjoyed your time with us, and when you came, I hope you were given a, uh, a welcome pack Please fill in the connect card in it and pop it in the box. If you didn't get one of our welcome pack, there should be some over, the ta over on the table that you can get. For all other bits and pieces, you can uh, see our weekly email update. Just to say that Natalie is currently in the ambulance, and the ambulance is kind of almost blocking the, the main entrance. So if you want to leave the building, go out through the cafe doors, please. But uh, apart from that, parents, please collect your children now and uh, refreshments in, served in the cafe area. Thank you.